So, anybody worried about that defense yet? Huh? Anybody at all? Good morning to you. Good Friday morning from Philadelphia. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates. I'm here, of course, because I covered the Steelers' 24-16 preseason victory over the Eagles. And I got to tell you, for all the different miscellaneous random scattered thoughts that you have after an event like that while fully appreciating and respecting that the outcome means literally nothing who won who lost i still come back to this uneasiness that i felt early in the game with the steelers defense and i know That's not rational. The entire defensive line didn't play. T.J. Watt didn't play. Minka Fitzpatrick didn't play. You're talking about something that you know and you put it in your head and you can even speak it out loud. And it still doesn't always resonate because you see Devin Bush getting burned the way he did on the 34-yard gain. Philadelphia's big tight end, Dallas Getter, shouldered him, like practically blew him back a couple yards to create space for himself. And then you see how Robert Spillane was getting blown up and how Robert Spillane still can't cover people. And who's been telling you that for a while now? Who has not been a believer in Spillane for quite some time? And then you see the big 79-yard play that Joe Flacco pulled off on a little wide receiver screen to Quez Watkins, who can run like the wind. And he burst through a seam thanks to kind of a bad angle taken by Trey Norwood. And off he went and... Cam Sutton's getting held on the play, but Cam Sutton's out there, and it's happening on the right side where Steven Nelson was, so that makes you uneasy too, even though you know that none of that sequence would occur if the regular guys had been out there for about a million reasons. The best reason that I could possibly share with you is the one that Mike Tomlin gave as only he can. And hear the man out because he's not making an excuse here. I'm not overly concerned about it right now, man. We're, you know, our defensive menu is kind of on a note card. We're not trying to trick anybody. We want to see who can rush, who can cover. So from a quarterback standpoint, in terms of diagnosing it, we're not challenging them intellectually. And so they're going to hit some plays. We're okay with that because we want to evaluate our guys. And so, um, sometimes when you're tricking quarterbacks, man, you're not evaluating your guys. And so tonight we faced, you know, um, even a, a veteran guy like Joe Flacco that came in with that second unit. Okay, you're playing against Joe Flacco with a note card ready list. Um, he going to do some things. And so we're okay with that. Um, the, the, our, our emphasis is to, is to evaluate our guys. I mean, how do you argue with that? 
Joe Flacco, he's not what he was, but he hasn't lost his mind. And Joe Flacco's looking up at the most vanilla defense he could ever see. And he understands that nobody's trying to trick anyone, as you heard Tomlin point out. If they do try to trick or fool or disguise a defense from the other team's quarterback, they're not going to find out who on their roster can make the physical plays that are needed. So they almost, and I say almost, want things like this to occur because they want to expose shortcomings. Now, they would rather there weren't shortcomings. They would rather that Norwood would take exactly the right angle that Terrell Edmonds wouldn't have over-pursued, as at least I thought he did, on the same play, and that, you know, Sutton wouldn't have been held. Or that there would have been more pressure up front because they would have had their usual front seven. So, I I don't know. I I have mixed feelings about this because I, I legitimately was unsettled by some of this. But... You know, maybe it'll all just kind of sort itself out. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose how you absorb those programs, whether it's at Point Park's downtown Pittsburgh campus, online, or some hybrid format of those two things. Learn more at pointpark.edu. Once more, it's pointpark.edu. If you're not aware of this, at some point during the game, multiple reports emerged, and we at DK Pittsburgh Sports were able to confirm independently that the Steelers are trading, that's somewhat present tense for Joe Schobert, Linebacker who had some good years in Cleveland, Pro Bowl guy in 2018. Ten picks over the past two years. He comes at a cost, literally. He's a $7 million cap hit, depending on how the Jaguars will end up arranging whatever the trade actually amounts to being. As of very early this morning... When I'm doing this show for you, there's been no word yet as to what that might be. But here's what is known. That dude is needed. Now, not to keep piling on to Spillane, but there's a reason that I was all gung-ho about Vince Williams coming back. Not that Vinny was great in coverage either, but Vinny could at least bring you Something. Vinny could be your run stopper. Vinny could get to the quarterback. Vinny could do some different things. I don't see what they've seen in Spillane other than, you know, the pick six against the Ravens and the big hit on Derrick Henry down in Nashville. And that's about it. And that's about it. He's just a guy. Now, very clearly... He's just a backup, and that's good. That's good.
In the modern NFL defense, more often than not, you're seeing inside linebackers pretty much dedicated to coverage. Yeah, you want them to be able to tackle. Uh, you can't expect them to be Lawrence Taylor or even Lawrence Timmons for that matter, but you can expect them and should expect them to be able to do the necessary run stopping. Everybody's got to be able to tackle. Inside linebackers still have to be able to tackle. But that's the part of this. If I really, really break down, not so much the game itself, but what my feeling was through that first half and what it was that had me kind of eh about everything, that was it. That was it. This defense, I have significant hopes for. I really do. I'm fully prepared to eat all the crow in the world if I'm wrong on this, but I don't think that I will be. I like this defensive makeup. If the biggest concerns remain replacing Bud Dupree and Mike Hilton, Melvin Ingram and Alex Highsmith are a pretty nice two and three to have in that role. And remember that it's rotational, and Ingram's going to play quite a bit. And then on top of that, finding somebody to replace Nelson, who I don't think was all that great in 2020 anyway, that can be done. But this inside linebacker thing, we just don't know. We just don't know. Bush is coming off an injury. Bush has yet to rise up to anywhere near the level that's expected of someone that you trade up to number 10 overall in the draft to get. But he's coming off that injury. So do you blame him for anything that happened last night in his first game in nearly a year? Heck no. Do you want and need to see him get a lot better very soon? Yes. Yes, you really do. And now maybe with Schobert coming into the mix, you're going to see some help some necessary help in that part of the field. Because that's what Schobert is. Schobert's a coverage guy. He's an inside linebacker who covers, and he does it really, really well. So, I don't know. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll be the thing. Maybe that'll be the thing, and I'll, I'll get over all this. Oh, by the way, before we go to break, the Steelers' defense in the second half, <laughs> do you know about this? The Eagles had zero first downs and 12 total yards in the entire second half. So maybe the solution to all of this is for the Steelers to play all their third stringers against Buffalo. When we come back, just one question. Just one question that's always brought to you on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who filed for workers' comp, who need assistance with medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers for over 15 years. That's a real thing. It's reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. 
Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's question comes from Jay, and he says, Not to be premature, but what is Mason Rudolph's trade value? <laughs> not to be not to be jumping the gun here or anything, says Jay. Um Look, I'm going to repeat from the beginning of this program. I know everyone wants to talk about the quarterbacks. I was fully expecting that the J1Q submissions were all going to be something quarterback, something quarterback. I know it's the preseason. I also know that the first snap that any quarterback takes in anger in 2021 in Buffalo will be Ben Roethlisberger, who, by the way, Mike Tomlin announced after this game last night, Ben will be starting the next preseason game as well. So what did you see? What did you see last night? Because I know that's what you're asking. You're not asking about his trade value. What did you see? Mason Rudolph he he looked okay. He had a couple of drives that were stalled by holding penalties. Obviously nothing the quarterback can do about those. And he played with some of the Steelers' first team against some of Philadelphia's first team. Not all. There was no Fletcher Cox out there terrorizing the Steelers' offensive line. So these kinds of arguments, first team, second team, can run a bunch of different ways. And, you know, statistically, statistically, Mason did okay. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't great. He did okay. Let me go through my sheets here and see what I have. Mason Rudolph from Pittsburgh. Hang on. i got to get my glasses for you. I'm going blind. Where'd my glasses go? Here they are. Mason Rudolph, 8 of 9 for 77 yards including a 33-yarder to Deontay Johnson that was one of the better passes thrown by either team's various quarterbacks. Maybe the best pass. So Mason Rudolph did okay. He was sacked once. Dwayne Haskins came in and got a lot more work. Pretty much played the second quarter and the third quarter. Ended up 16 of 22 for 161 yards and a touchdown. But he, more strikingly than that, led authoritatively and confidently three scoring drives. So if you're watching this and you're looking for results, Haskins is the one that got him. And if you're watching this completely independent of context, which I might add, most casual observers, probably not people who tune into a podcast called Daily Shot of Steelers. You're probably more than casual. But most casual observers will just watch it and say, Hey, this guy got us a bunch of touchdowns. Other guy didn't. This is easy. But it's, it's nowhere near that simple. And, and, and you know that it isn't. I wish, and I was on the record, and I said on this show, I wished that Haskins had gotten this start. I wish we could have learned 
more about him by having him with the ones and by having him face Philadelphia's ones. And by the way, Haskins expressed much the same after this game. As a competitor, of course, you want to get with the guys that make the plays. And, you know, I do a great job of listening to Ben and, you know, having conversations with the starting receivers and getting to know what they like and how they see the field. So if that happens, I just want to be ready for it. And, um, you know, I do, you know, some, some off the field stuff with guys as well. So I feel like I have a great relationship and chemistry with all the receivers. But if I get an opportunity, I want to make the most of it. Good for him. I'm here to tell you that he sounded pretty confident in that interview room, too. And by the way, these aren't Zoom calls. We are actually going downstairs in stadiums into interview rooms and interviewing humans again, which is kind of a neat side note for me to share with you. So you could actually get more of a feel for the guy, and he he carried himself quite well, I thought, in there. But the idea that somehow he has either overtaken the the backup spot or become the next franchise guy or something based on what we've seen to date i i really believe that dwayne haskins especially after the way he was rushed in washington needs to have a learning season and needs to have some well a seasoning season if you want to go that route with the wording I don't believe that he's going to be the number two quarterback I think that's going to be Rudolph because of his familiarity with the offense the wide receivers and everything else and I believe that you're going to see Haskins continue to improve and impress and then he can become a much bigger part of this dialogue going into 2022 and you know what else Everything I just told you might end up completely wrong. And that's part of the beauty of all this stuff, isn't it? You know? Because if Haskins just keeps getting better and better right in front of our eyes, it's all in his control. It's all in his control. This coaching staff and this head coach in particular, who really seems to have taken Haskins under his wing, isn't about to bury him based on any preconceived notions. And that won't be something that shows itself in who becomes two or three for the Buffalo game. I appreciate the question. It was good stuff, Jay. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers, not just today, uh, but all week long and all the time. (laughs) 